0: me to the gospel according to John, the gospel according to John, there's a chapter in that book I would like to go over, I don't want to read it because it's a very long-winded chapter, my goal was, is to read it all, um, but chapter 4 narrates the story of the Samaritan woman, uh, and if you don't know, it, it's okay not to know. I'm not going to put you in a spot make you feel uncomfortable. If you don't know the story of the Samaritan woman, it's okay. Uh, raise your hand so I can know. If not, I'll read it. All right, let me, okay, in case you don't know, let me paraphrase this. No, no, no. Who doesn't know the story of the Samaritan woman? Anybody? Okay, so let's read it. I'll, I'll read it for one. I'll read it for one. Look what the story says. John chapter 4. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar near the plot of the ground or the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me to drink? And this is important, verse 8. His disciples had gone to walmart they went to walmart his disciples had gone into the town to buy food the samaritan woman said to him you are a jew and i am a samaritan woman how can you ask me for a drink for the jews do not associate themselves with the samaritans there was racism there jesus answered her if you knew the gift of god and who is it who it is that asks you for a drink You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also the sons of of his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He said, gotcha. And he's like, he tells her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. As a matter of fact, the rumor out there is that you have had five husbands. Oh, gosh, she's a little hoochie. And the man you now have ain't your husband. What well, you have just said it's quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Duh. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman! Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship my father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers worship the father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kinds of worship of the father sees. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that you are a Messiah called the Christ the one that's coming when he comes he will explain everything to us then he declared this is the first time Jesus tells somebody he's the Messiah then he declared I am the one speaking to you I am he he never said this to a Jew he's saying this to a heathen Samaritan I am he now now it gets crazy just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman but no one asked what do you want and why are you talking to her Then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man, yada, 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 yada. Look what he says. I'm going to skip all this so I can get to the end. He says, verse 36, even now the one who reaps draw a wage and harvest and cross for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the same one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of my labor. Many Samaritans believe by many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Because of the woman's testimony. Notice how Jesus planted a seed in this woman. The woman planted a seed in the Samaritan city. And we have a harvest that I'm going to talk about in a couple of minutes. I'm almost done. (laughs) I already finished. Let's pray. Harvest time. John chapter 4 narrates the story I'm going to talk about today. But it's interesting that right in the middle of John chapter 3 and John chapter 4 is the key most important Bible verse in all of Bible. John chapter 3 verse 16 says for God so loved the world right? That he gave his only begotten son so that whoever somebody say whoever I think the poet Mr. Jackson said it right. It don't matter if you're black or white. So that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If I remove that Bible verse from the Bible, the Bible will collapse. Because the anchor, the essence, the core of the gospel is anchored on that verse. Jesus loving the world so much that he gave himself a ransom for many. So John 3.16 is the heart of the Bible. So John's thesis, John's summation, John's explanation of his gospel is anchored on verse 16 of chapter 3. God so loved the world. Which tells me that God's love is not abstract. It also tells me that God's love and God's nature are inseparable. God does not know what it is not to love. Because God doesn't have love. God is love. So his nature, his DNA, his divinic composition is anchored in love. So because he is a loving God his love then pushes his son Jesus who he loves because Jesus is God. He pushes his son Jesus to express his love to a world That has rejected him. Now the world cannot comprehend. The fullness of the nature of God. can't. Because if we attempt to comprehend. Our brain will explode. Because his love is too deep. His love is too wide. His love is too high. His love is too great. A finite mind cannot understand an infinite God. So what God does is he takes all that he is, Philippians 2, he takes all that he is. Alright, my, my my wife has this Meg coffee thing. Coffee maker. And she has the the coffee. The coffee, what do you call that? Huh? Okay, that. And she she, she puts it in this little thing, right? And then she. Attaches it on the top, and she—it's like a—it's like a espresso. Like she attaches it real tight, right? Real tight. Yeah, yeah, my arm hurt every time I gotta do that. It's real tight, right? And then she presses this button, and then you hear the machine going Right? and then drips of coffee begins to come out. Now, the coffee that comes out of the mach- espresso the machine is. Th- has the same ingredients and content as the grinded coffee. I can't open the coffee, Bustelo, and take a teaspoon and eat it, right? I can't do it because, <coughs> <coughs> I thought, wait, come up. <coughs> <coughs> hey, I just felt the coffee, rose. <laughs> I can't, I, 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 can't, I can't eat it. So what this espresso machine allows me to do is to enjoy a coffee that I couldn't eat in powdered form. So the espresso becomes the means by which I can enjoy something. I would not have been able to enjoy had the coffee grain didn't allow itself to go through the process of being squished and put through pressure and come out of hot water. So when I look at Jesus, Jesus is the coffee that God grinded so that when we taste it from Jesus, we can experience the love of the Father. And so Jesus allowed himself to be broken. And God didn't allow Jesus to die on the cross because he didn't love his son. It was love that put Jesus on the cross, it was God's love. So great for you that God was willing to take his son, put him in the espresso machine, and put him on the cross, and while the son has been crushed, we're all tasting the love of God and experiencing his forgiveness. Because you cannot separate the nature of God from the love of God. And John's thesis is, this is my goal in, John, in my, my gospel. My, my goal in my gospel is to show the world, How great, how wide, how big, and how deep is the love of God. And and of all of the verses, you know what? John could have put that verse 16 in the last verse in in the gospel of John. And that would have been a good way to finish the book. Because the last book, the last verse in the book of John says this. And I'm paraphrasing. It says... And there were so many other things Jesus did, so many miracles that Jesus performed, that if we were to write every miracle Jesus performed, there will not be enough books in the world to contain everything that he did. And right after that verse, put that verse, that would have been a perfect time to throw that verse in there. But he doesn't do it. He puts John 3.16 in the middle of John 3 and John 4. Now why, why? Why does he do this? Let me explain to you what happens in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 narrates a nocturnal encounter between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. Please don't name your children Nicodemus because I ain't going to pray for him. Nicodemus. Now who is Nicodemus? First of all, The Bible tells us his name was Nicodemus. Second, he was an intellectual man. Third, he was a Pharisaic man. He was from the elite. He was from the core of Israel. He was one of the most important men in the time of Jesus' public ministry. And this intellectual smart Genius of a man comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and this is the question he asks Jesus. Because Jesus tells him, "You must be born again." And he replies, "How can someone be born when they're old?" And Jesus tells him this. Everybody tells him. He says, "Can I say Puerto Rican style?" He's like, Papa, you a teacher? And you don't know this. He says, he says, you are Israel's teacher, and you don't understand these things? You are a professor of the law? You are a student, a pupil of the rabbinical law, and you don't know this? But we see Jesus. Let me tell you, let me tell you. Don't listen, listen. If you want to make an appointment with me, don't be making an appointment with me at nighttime, time, 11 o'clock at night. I ain't going to have no meeting with nobody at 11 o'clock at night. 11 o'clock at night, I'm in my bed w- with my wife watching Family Guy. Bur- 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 y'all know about that. <laughs> this man makes an appointment with Jesus in the wee hours of the night. As if, as if he doesn't want to be caught with Jesus. As if he doesn't want to be exposed to Jesus. Because this guy who is an intellectual, a smart man, he's got questions, but he don't want to ask him in public. So he takes Jesus at night and he asks him a bunch of questions. And Jesus, Jesus ministers to a smart man because Let me tell you, smart people, intelligent people, they don't like answers. Intelligent people like questions. Smart people like questions. Okay, remember that. So he asks him, aren't you a rabbi? You don't know these things? He says, you must be born again. Now let me recap John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, we see an educated man. In John chapter 3, we see an influential man. In John chapter 3, we see a respected man in his society. In John chapter 3, we see a man that comes to Jesus at night. In John chapter 3, we see a man by the name of Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, we see a man of the law. And Jesus ministers to this man. Let's go to chapter 4. In John chapter 4. Contrary to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we see Jesus ministering to the elite, influential, religious man named Nicodemus. And John chapter 4, we see Jesus ministering to a known name woman who is marginalized. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. The Samaritan woman comes to Jesus in the daytime. Nicodemus has a name. This woman has no name. John is displaying The conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus and Jesus and the Samaritan woman, he does it completely different for one purpose, to highlight verse 16 of John chapter 3. We see in John chapter 3, Jesus speaks to a man, Nicodemus. In John chapter 4, he speaks to a woman. And this is the representation of the human race. This is the representation of Adam and Eve. Adam is represented in Nicodemus, and Eve is represented in the Samaritan woman. Nicodemus is an influential man, and the Samaritan woman has a bad reputation. They're both influential. One is negative, one is positive. They're both famous. Well, one is famous, one is infamous. They're both known. One is known, and they clap, and they love him, and he has the first seat in the church. The other one, she's known so much, nobody wants to be with her. Do you see the tension? Do you see the polarity between a named man, a nameless woman, a professional man, a marginalized woman, a Christian man, a Samaritan heathen Gentile woman? And right in the middle of the greatest and the worst, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me tell you this. My first point is to obtain the harvest, we must be willing to sow in everyone. To obtain the harvest. We can't just sow to people that look like us. To, to, to save the harvest we can't just reach out to the people that make us feel good to save the harvest. Jesus was, was, was desperate enough to save the harvest that he would hang out with a Pharisee man by the name of Nicodemus. But he also was willing to risk his reputation to hang out with a woman by the name of the Samaritan woman. His goal wasn't to get applauded. His goal was to save the harvest. So in light of that, I'm going to say this and I'll close. What is the preamble for harvest? What is the antecedent for harvest? A sense of urgency is the preamble for harvest. The church has to live and walk with a sense of urgency. You and I, the body of Christ we have to operate with a sense of urgency verse four says verse four says Jesus said he needed to go to Samaria He needed to go not ah, if I got time on my schedule no he needed to go there's a sense of urgency now understand this to get to Samaria from Galilee To get to Samaria, there were two roads. There were two roads connected to Judea and Galilee. You had a long way to get to Judea and Galilee. And then you had a short road. Now here's what's crazy. The short road to get to from Judea to Galilee, the short road was much shorter than the long one. (laughs) Hello. Hello. But to take the shortcut, you have to be willing to pass by Samaria. Now, now, the traditional pious Jews, a pious Jew in the times of the Bible would never take the shortcut. Because for a Jew to hang out with a Samaritan was the worst thing a Jew could do. So they were literally, literally, they would rather walk 5 6 miles more take the long road than to take the shortcut Isn't that crazy? I you know Tuesdays I work in Poinciana. I work at a school in Poinciana where we have our Poinciana campus. I'm there in Poinciana and it's crazy because it, 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 if anybody here from Poinciana you're going to feel my pain. Right? Po- Poinciana has a has a road by the name of Poinciana Boulevard. That road, every quarter of a mile, there's like 17 demons in every quarter of a mile. There's just demons. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's a demonic road. There's always traffic. There's always traffic. And the, the, crazy, the, good, the, the good thing for me is that because I work in Poinciana, I see that people are coming out of Poinciana to go to work to Orlando. So I never get the traffic. As I'm driving to work at 50 miles per hour, depending on the speed limit, right, and I'm driving, I can see on the other road that cars are literally stopped on the road waiting for school buses, waiting for policemen, waiting for traffic. And literally, the the, the route from Poinciana to Orlando could literally take that little Pleasant Hill Road could take at least a 40-minute drive just to get out of Poinciana. Wouldn't it be ironic that somebody creates a turnpike exit? To, to, to bypass that traffic. And you're like, nah, I like Ponciana Boulevard. I just love traffic. Me and traffic, we just get along. I like to be stuck in traffic. No, if there's a shortcut, take that shortcut. Yet these Jews had a shortcut to get to Galilee, and they preferred, preferred to take the long road. Why did they prefer to take the long road? Because because for a Jew, whenever a Jew would see a Samaritan walking down the same street, you know what they would do? Number one, number one, they would cross the street because they would prefer walk across the street and not walk in the same road with a Samaritan. Number two, they would look at the dirt Fix your eyes on the ground, on the floor, on the dusty road. Because they would rather dignify dirt than dignify a Samaritan. And they would rather take the long road instead of taking the short road. And be caught walking through Samaria. He's the Jews. Now, in case you forgot, Jesus is a Jew. And in verse 4, he says, I need to go... I, I'm, willing, I'm willing to take the shortcut, even if I get talked about. I'm willing to take the shortcut, even if people reject me. I'm willing to take the road to Samaria, even if my own people marginalize me. But I want to plant a seed that will bring a harvest greater than my eyes have ever seen. Listen to me. It says Jesus it now bear in mind, it wasn't geographically convenient for Jesus to take this road. Listen to me. It wasn't culturally convenient for Jesus to take this road. His reputation could have been on the line. His reputation was on the line, I'm sorry, and could have been affected. From a rabbinical point of view, because he was a rabbi, it would not have been convenient for Jesus to be walking down this road. But what is it about Jesus that he's willing to break the rules? Urgency. got three and a half years and after that I'm going to die and go to heaven. I don't got time to be playing church. I only got three and a half years and I got to win the world and if I got to win the world by going to Samaria, I'm going to go to Samaria. Now here's what's crazy. Jesus goes, chapter 4, he's with his boys, his disciples. He tells his disciples, hey, I need to go to Samaria. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And you know what his disciples decided to, to do when Jesus said, I got to go to Samaria? The, you, 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 we read it. They went shopping. They went to Walmart. In other words, like, uh-uh. I ain't going to be caught going to Samaria with Jesus because he can rise from the dead. I can't raise from the dead. They kill me. I'm dead. <laughs> Listen, these disciples were following Christ but they were still focused and stuck on culture and traditions and systems. So just because you come to church, I'll leave that another day. They were following Jesus with their traditions. They were following Jesus, but their traditions were their, was their God. They were following Jesus. Oh, Samaria, you know what? You know what? We're going to go to Walmart. We're going to go to the Hebraic Walmart over there. And we're gonna buy food and you go do your Samaria thing, but I'm not gonna get caught hanging out with you, hanging out with Samaritans. So, so you do you, and we're gonna do us. Now, now now it, it, it could have been, it could have been that the disciples felt that Jesus was trying to trick them. Trying to trick them. Because if you notice in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 and 6, in Matthew 7, this is not when Jesus originally picked the 12, when he picked Matthew, Bartholomew, uh, 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 the sons of thunder, uh, Thomas, uh, Peter, when he picked them all, when he picked them all, after he picked them, he gave them this instruction, and it reads These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. But rather go into the house of Israel. So now you got the disciples talking about, wait wait a minute. If we go in, but we, then he tells them not to go. But, but is, is this like a game? Is it a, a trick? But, you know, matter of fact, let's, let, you know what, let, let, let's just go shopping. And they went eating. And here's what's crazy. Why would Jesus break the rule he placed. As a parent, as a parent. How many of you guys as parents have told your kid not to do something and then you do it yourself and your kid's looking at you like, I thought that was wrong, mommy. I thought lying was wrong and you every time somebody calls you talking about tell them I'm not here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus told them, don't go to Samaria. Yet, John chapter 4, Jesus is saying, I need to go to the place I told you. Don't you go. Why would he break his own rule? Why Why would he break his own command? Because Jesus has a sense of urgency that is greater than protocol. Need to go to Samaria. And so check the picture out. They go shopping. They're shopping. Jesus is there sitting at the well. And here comes this woman. Broad daylight. She comes in with an empty jar. Y'all read the story. He says, Give me the drink. She's like, wait a minute. You a Jew talking to me. You get Samaria, we don't get along, blah blah blah. He said, Mama, 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 Mama. If you knew the gift of God, and who is it that's asking you to drink, you would ask him to drink, and he will give you water that will spring for eternal life. Where is this water? Okay, and y'all you know the story. Then he says, go get your husband. Remember, Jesus transformed Nicodemus by asking him a question. Because intellectual people are transformed through questions. This woman is not intellectual. Intellectual. Jesus challenges her by confronting her reality. See, see how Jesus reaches out to everybody in their level? Sometimes we want to ram the gospel to someone the way we did it 20 years ago. It's different. He dealt with the Samaritan woman different as he dealt with the elite person. So he said, he said okay, he, he, he's, here's how I'm going to get her. He said, mama, mama, before we talk any longer, go get your husband. I want to talk to your husband. And she says, Oh, I ain't got no husband. He said, You got that right, you hoochie. You he look what he tells her. Because you have five husbands, and the one you have now ain't your man. Oh my God. If, If Jesus would have had a Facebook account back in them days, oh my God. Can you imagine? Hashtag. Just got busted hoochie by Jesus. (laughs) Woo! Crazy! He said, go get your husband! Notice, notice, notice. When he confronted her reality, what was her response? You must be a prophet. She was transformed when he confronted her reality. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you something, let me tell you something. I'm hearing all this stuff about trying to win millennials, and we're reading books and encyclopedias. Listen, listen, come from people. No, because, you know, the, the ch- times have changed, and, and listen, people are people, whether they're baby boomers, whether they're millennials, whether they're Gen Xers. If you confront people with love, they'll get changed. He confronts this chick and she's like, Oh my you. Oh, oh my God. And look what she does. Look what she does. She says, I can't let this moment stay here. She runs to Samaria. And when she's going to Samaria, she's going out, she's telling the people in Samaria. She tells him, I met a man, and everybody's like, oh, yeah. and then I t- you met man-man all the time. I met a man. Uh-oh, here's another one. Come on, whose husband is it this time, right? She said, no, 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 you understand. I met a man, I met a man, I met a man. I was at the well, I was at the well, I was at the well. And, and she couldn't ask for approbation because nobody was watching. She was by herself. Oh, my God, I, I, trust me, I met this man. And they, and all the girls, how is he? How can I got? you know? <laughs> no, no, I, it ain't about his eyes, and it ain't about his hair, and it ain't about his profile. There's something about this man. And by the way, he's not even Samaritan. He's a Jew. He don't like us, but he loves us. This, you got to meet this guy. And now, this infamous woman is bringing an entire city to Jesus. Now, 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 while this is is going on, the woman is preaching. The guys already got their bags from Walmart. And they're going to Jesus. Now, look, look look, look, look at the story. Verse 27 through 31. It says, just then his disciples returned from shopping at Walmart. Just that his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman before she goes to preach to the city of Samaria the disciples are coming back from shopping and they catch Jesus talking to not only was he talking to a woman who was a hooji, he's talking to a Samaritan And, and look, you know, there's a lot of people in the church just like, just like the disciples. But no one asked. You know how people that talk about you behind your back and nobody never tells you in your face? That, those are these guys. They were like, oh, my God, look, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at, he's hanging out with that girl. Oh my, oh, my God. Oh, my him. Oh, God, what is he doing? How did he do that? And everybody's talking behind their teeth. And Jesus is right there. And nobody tells them. They say, but no one asked. What do you, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? They're talking that amongst themselves, but they don't confront Jesus with the question. Look what it says, verse 28. Then leaving her jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, oh, my God, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And then she asks, could this be the Messiah? So they came out of the town, and they made their way toward him. And this is the verse I want to lay my hat. Verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. I want you to see this picture in your head. Samaritan was impacted. She's going to Samaria. She's telling everybody and their mama. I just saw a man who told me everything I've done. You need to meet this guy. She's coming with a whole village. When the disciples were here, they see Jesus there. The Samaritans there. They got groceries in their hands. What is he doing? Why is he talking to that woman? He saw that the woman left to get the people. And it's at that point, because they they don't want to be next to them. As she goes, then they come to Jesus. And look what they tell him. As if they care if Jesus was really hungry. Rabbi, eat. Why are the disciples interested in Jesus eating? You think the disciples cared about Jesus' nutrition? I mean, they've seen Jesus multiply fish and bread. Jesus, if Jesus was hungry, he could have thought, you know, like, like the Matrix. He could have thought a burger. <laughs> oh, I'm stuffed. I'm good. Let's go. Why are they interested in Jesus eating? And it, sound, it, it, it sounds like the disciples really care for Jesus. It sounds like they really care for the nutrition of our Lord and Savior. But that's not why they're telling him to eat. Because in Judaic tradition, whenever a Jew was sitting at the table to eat, the law said that no unclean people could sit at the table. A Samaritan couldn't sit at the table. A gentile couldn't say whenever a Samaritan saw a Jew eating at the table, they knew I can't come here. Because eating at the table with with Jews or the Judaic custom, it was very sacred. They would pray to God the Father. It was very, very, very ceremonial. And so, and so, and so the disciples are saying, Oh my god. If any any Jew catches Jesus talking with all those people, oh, my God, your reputation is going to go to the floor. Ain't nobody going to invite you to preach in the church again. Nobody's going to want to hang out with you. So here's what we're going to do. Let's let's convince Jesus to eat so that when the woman comes with all those people, she's going to automatically know, oh, we can't go. we got to go back because Jesus is eating. What he says? They will come and eat. Jesus replies, he says, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. They're like, eat, eat. You know, no, no, no. What I'm eating right now is greater than eleven bread. What I'm eating right now, what I'm sowing in right now has more weight than you trying to sow a piece of bread. What I'm sowing right now, because what they did not know is that the revival that happened in Acts chapter 6, when Philip goes to Samaria, and there's a revival in that city that was directly connected to Jesus welcoming the Samaritans and the Samaritan woman. And instead of eating, telling him, don't come. He breaks the rule and he doesn't eat so that they can eat from the bread of life. Listen to me. And so now the the, the people are coming, the masses are coming, and the Jews still have a spirit of tradition. And look what Jesus tells them in verse 35. Put verse 35 up. He tells them, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you open your eyes and look at the fields they're ripe for harvest why did Jesus tell the disciples to open their eyes because tradition said whenever a Jew saw a Samaritan they would close their eyes and look down they were like nope I ain't going to dignify a Samaritan by looking at him and Jesus tells them what you don't understand is that if you're going to be in my kingdom we got to reach everybody and he tells them open your eyes and lift up your heads for the field he's pointing to samaria the field is ready for harvest new birth the field is ready they may not look like you they may not dress like you they may not have your background they may not carry your flag they may not know your national anthem song but they're coming When we go out there in church on Broadway, they may not look, they might be homosexual, lesbians, transvestites, drug addicts, liars, cheaters, murderers, pedophiles. But Jesus says, lift up your eyes. for the field is ready for the harvest. So if you're here, friend, today, and someone brought you to church today, didn't bring you to hear me or see me, he brought you, she brought you to meet Jesus, who was willing to break the rules to welcome you in, who was willing to break protocol. I don't know, I don't know what they told you about church. I can't go to church because I out of church, I gotta stop doing this, I gotta stop doing that. You know, I can't come to church, the pants, I can't come to church right now. When I finish drinking and I finish partying, who, 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 who Jesus is saying, who told you that mumbo jumbo? Jesus tells you come to me just as you are and I'll make it my business to restore you and all you need to do is make it your business to come to me so every eye close, every head bow I'm going to pray if you want Jesus if you want God who does not change in character nor does he change in nature and you want to invite him to be the Lord and the master of your life And plant your heart as a seed in God's hands. So that you can reap a harvest of everlasting life and purpose in Him. I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, please don't be the second, the third, or the fourth to raise your hand. Be the first. And do like this woman. I am coming to Him because there's something about Jesus that He speaks truth and it changes lives. If that's you all over this room and you want Jesus... I want you to raise your hand at the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hands right now. I see one hand. I see two hands. I see three hands to the glory of God. Keep it up. Keep it up. I see four hands to the glory of God. I see five hands to the glory of God. Come on, church. We should be giving God glory right now. Right now. Come on. Put those hands together. Praise the Lord. Put those hands together.